you've got this. If you say you don't, you don't. But if you fucking say you do, you do. And I know that that's like a bullshit, you know, motivational poster thing, but it's true because I'm like actual living proof of that. So the proof is in the pudding and I'm the pudding. Welcome to glioblastoma, AKA GBM, a podcast brought to you by the glioblastoma research organization, highlighting stories with GBM warriors, caregivers, medical advisors, and more. Join us this season as we connect with members of our incredible community and have meaningful and insightful chats regarding all things glioblastoma. Please note that any information provided on this show is not meant to treat, diagnose, or prevent any disease, and all information that is discussed in our conversation is what worked for the individual themselves and should not be taken as advice. The information provided in the show is not a substitute for professional medical advice, and you should contact your medical provider and healthcare team with any questions. I'm your host, Amber Barback, and today we're joined by DJ Stewart, star of the short documentary film Rare Enough and a long-term GBM survivor. DJ is one of the most positive and insightful people I've ever had the pleasure of speaking with, and his energy and positivity is absolutely contagious. In this episode, we talk all about his journey with GBM, his documentary, his passions for skateboarding and wrestling, and so much more. DJ Stewart, a long-term GBM survivor, skateboard pro wrestler, you name it. He is the star of the documentary Rare Enough, and we are so excited that he's with us today to be a part of our new podcast for the glioblastoma community. So welcome to the show. Oh yeah, Amber. Thank you so much for having me and for the badass intro, making me sound a lot cooler than I am. <laughs> I'm honored and excited to be on here and do anything I can to keep kicking the shit out of this thing. Yeah, we're, we're so excited to have you. I know our community is going to be so excited to get to know more about your story. We can just go ahead and kick it off. Tell the community about your initial diagnosis. Can you walk us through that? You know, how old were you? What were your symptoms? Just talk us through the beginning of this whole journey for you. Totally. So my journey with GBM starts maybe a little bit different than the standard. So a few years back in 2018, actually, I was, as you mentioned, you know, skateboarder and pro wrestling and all these crazy things I do. And in 2018, I was having some weird problems in my knee. I was having like these weird twinges that just kind of chalked it up to, oh, I've, I've broken legs, I've broken everything. Is just a reoccurring thing from that. And my now wife and girlfriend at the time convinced me, hey, dummy, go to the doctor for the first time in like forever because you never do. And I was like, all right, fine. Go into the doctor. I'm like, hey, doc, there's this weird little thing in my knee. It doesn't feel good. He feels around in it. And he's like, oh, it's like a calcium deposit or a little like, um, I think he called it a polyp or something like that. Mm -hmm. Here's our options. I can do a couple of different things. I could cut it out right here. I could send you to a surgeon that would cost you a lot. Or honestly, I'm not worried about it. I, I could just leave it in. And like I said, I'm skateboarding and doing a lot of fun stuff. And I was like, you know what? You seem confident. Why don't you just chop it out for me? So we scheduled a couple of days later. He, you know, few stitches. It's only a incision yay big and so for everyone that can't see right now that was about like two inches <laughs> just clarifying it was 10 tiny little stitches on the inside of my right knee mm -hmm. he pulls it out shows it to me i don't feel a thing it, it's a weird little white ball about the size of a gobstopper the candy right and it honestly kind of looked like a gobstopper like after you had sucked on it and it got that weird whitish color you asked to see it Oh, yeah, absolutely. I held oh, it nice. in a little metal. Oh, wow. Like, I heard him pick it up and drop it in the tin, and it was like, like, you could hear the actual dink of, like, him oh, putting wow. it in the metal container, and I've got a picture of it and everything. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, I'm a weirdo. Wait till we get to the other surgeries. <laughs> okay, deal. But I literally, not tripping about it whatsoever, because the guy's just like, hey, I'm going to shoot this over to a pathologist to make sure everything's all right, but I'll see you in a couple of days to get those stitches out. Right. I'm like, all right, sounds great. I schedule a time to get my stitches taken out and I take off the rest of that day. I've got a plan where I'm going to get these stitches out. I'm meeting some friends at the skate park. 
right after and we're going to go and have a good night and have some fun. You know, me should be feeling good. Mm-hmm. I walk in to get those stitches taken out and he's like, hey, man, you probably want to sit down. He told me that I had what's called a lyomyosarcoma, which is a soft tissue or bone cancer in my right knee. So, you know, that kind of kicks you in the ass when you come in expecting one thing and you get told, hey, it's, it's this. So no worries, though. We're, I freaked out a bit, but he tells me the best sarcoma doctor in the damn world happens to be in Kansas City. And so I set that up for a week right. later. I go and I meet this badass surgeon and he does another surgery on my leg. This one, much, much, much larger. I have a scar on my inside of my right knee now that's probably eight inches, nine inches long, something like that. And like three inches wide. It's what they call an extra wide incision because they went in and they cleared out all the margins so that this thing hopefully couldn't spread. Right. So I deal with that. And honestly, I mean, after a little bit of rehab and whatnot, I started feeling great and I was confident. I was like, I've got this thing's ass kicked. I know that I'm going to beat it and start feeling great to the point where I'm like, you know what? It's time to buy a house. So it's time to buy a house. It's time to finally make an honest woman out of my girlfriend (laughs) and propose. So in March of 2019, just a couple of months after the sarcoma diagnosis, I proposed. And congratulations. Surprise. You know, she said yes. (laughs) Spoiler (laughs) alert. She said yes. Spoiler, they're married now. We are. So March, I propose. She says yes. April, we buy a home together. What you're not seeing at home, but what Amber is seeing, me (laughs) and my dorky wrestling Star Wars action figure room. We bought this beautiful home together in April. And then in May, I was signing health insurance paperwork at a brand new job, one that I was really really, really, really excited about. It was going to afford us the opportunities to do everything we really wanted, you know, work on this house, have an amazing wedding and a honeymoon and all these beautiful things that we're so excited about. And I'm signing those insurance paperwork. And I guess I had a seizure. Do you remember anything? I remember some things had been happening prior. For a few months prior to the seizure, I had been having what they call auras. And to me, that felt like I would get deja vu. It felt like I would get deja vu of a situation that I had never been in, had no possible way of having any sort of deja vu. You know, I walk into a room of 10,000 strangers that I'd never met before, and I'd feel like, oh, I've, I've been in this, like, whoa, this weird feeling. Of, Ugh, I don't right. know, it's something weird. And sometimes it would kind of manifest to where, you know, sorry, I hope not to be gross, but I would have to go and use the bathroom. I would have to go and go to the restroom because I'd feel it kind of in my stomach even. And I remember, you know, signing the insurance paperwork and signing all my new hire paperwork. I started to feel that a little bit. And I went and I used the restroom and I, I came back. I was kind of feeling all right. Got past it, wasn't thinking anything. And I fell out of a chair in like a standing desk. So I was a little bit more elevated, not too crazy high. It wasn't any of my skate falls, but mm-hmm. I have vague memories of like, a blur of the ambulance. I woke up just briefly in the ambulance and then I actually came to in the hospital. Right. Thankfully at that time, my wife and family had already made it because I was with a bunch of friends at work mm-hmm. the place that I was going to work at. I knew a lot of the people and they bam, just jumped into action and saved me basically. Shit. <laughs> woke up in a bit of pain. I had fallen and my shoulder and neck kind of hurt because I'd, went down like that. Right. They took me back to have CTs and MRIs done. And that's when they found the, the golf ball in my right temporal lobe. Mm-hmm. Doctor came in and I'll never forget that. He came in. I was the only one in the room at the moment. My mom was just right outside with my wife and everyone. And he told me basically all I remember is the word brain cancer. You know, you have a tumor in your brain and actually it's not, right. you didn't say brain cancer because that's not how it's not, you have a brain tumor. The verbiage is different mm-hmm. when it comes to the brain. But all I heard was like, there's a tumor in your brain. I don't remember if he said 
GBM or astrocytoma or whatever, because at this point they weren't positive of which one it was. They just knew it was big and right there. Mm -hmm. So I call my mom in and I tell her and basically all I could articulate was like, it's, it's bad. uh, It's bad. Call the doctor in and have them break the news and uh, have a craniotomy the next day. Wow. Did you have time to prepare before the craniotomy? I mean, what was going through your head the night before? They gave me the option if I wanted to like push it out or anything like that. And I was like, if we could do it right now, let's do it this second. Right. I was just ready. I didn't like having to wait the night before or anything. I'm the kind of guy like, okay, if you're going to punch me in the face, can you do it now? I don't want to know about it for, you know, an hour beforehand and know that like, yeah, I got to get punched in the face in an hour or something like that. So I was full send. Let's go. Yeah. Like here, here it is here. Just go. It's right here. Yeah. Here's my pocket knife. Just get started. Let's start this five minutes ago. Exactly. I just want it to be done. I want to go home. I want to get to beating this. That's all that I could think about. Right. I just need to go now. I need to go now. I can't be stagnant. I can't be waiting. Well, how long has it been there? There's a million questions. No idea. At this time, I'm the healthiest I thought I ever was. I was, in amazing physical shape. I was a trainer at a gym. Like I didn't think by any means, anything like this was coming at. I was confident the knee was already kicked its ass. I was like, ah, cool. I'm going to have beaten that already. Like throw the world at me. I'm riding the biggest high in the world at the moment. And then that's a bummer. But so we knocked out surgery the next day. Thankfully the surgeon here in Kansas city that I've had for any of my operations is amazing an absolute badass a great person and i'm very blessed to have had the treatment i've had so we dove in like i said and we're ready for next steps you know sign me up for whatever i got to do and so how did your life change once you were diagnosed after the surgery like what did that look like for you well for one at the time i had hair down to about my chest really oh yeah <laughs> so they had to take the giant portion of that. Mm-hmm. So one of the first things I did after, well, I woke up and in the hospital after the surgery and they told me, hey, you know, it went great. I was in pretty good spirits. Honestly, I was cutting jokes to the doctors right away. I was insistent they should just let me get up right then. I kept trying to like walk around way before they wanted me to and that sort of thing. I was like, I'm fine. I'm fine. Let me go to the mm-hmm. bathroom. Let me do this. Let me do that. I want to go home, blah, blah, blah. It was not that bad honestly though because i was in a hospital room surrounded by friends and family like i was never without somebody everybody right. friends were coming in everybody was bringing whatever just an overload of love so, and as a patient you know going through that how did you feel having all that support like what difference did it make to have those people around you during that time oh i couldn't have done them couldn't have done them without them mm-hmm. people always say like i don't know how you do it, man. I don't know how you stay positive and all that. And I'm like, yeah, well, if you knew and you had all the people I have, like, I promise I'm not that cool. I'm just the luckiest <laughs> dude in the world. Yeah, It's just a lottery, basically. They kept me sane. They kept me ready to do more. I couldn't wait to just be done to go. My friends would come that were skate friends. I can't wait to be at back at the park. Pro wrestling friends would come. I can't wait to be putting on shows again, whatever it was. They kept me hungry for what was to come, not living right. in the moment. I mean, I live in the moment always, but I live with the moment, not in it. I don't like dwell on the negatives of it. And I think that's been one of the main reasons that I'm still here kicking ass. Right. When you say that, it's funny. I So I saw your documentary and it kind of like, I flash back to that sort of ending scene where you're holding hands with all of your friends, like skateboarding. And when you're saying like living with the moment, like I picture that exact moment when you and your friends are like skateboarding through the streets of Kansas City. And I'm like, for anyone who hasn't watched, I highly recommend it's fantastic. But it's nice to hear you say that because it's very easy to visualize like having seen the documentary and now talking to you. I feel like it meshes so perfectly. Thank you. And I mean, the scene that you're talking about, hell, the entire filming process of Rare Enough was beautiful. Like one of the most incredible fun, emotional, but all in like the best way things I've ever gotten to do. And that's 
not to toot my own horn, but like I've done a lot of cool shit in my life. <laughs> Dude, I pay people to fake fight in their underwear. I got to travel like the country riding a wooden toy. I mean, <laughs> wait, what? I got it made. Please, but you have to explain that for all of our listeners and for me, because I'm like, what do you mean travel the country in a wooden toy? Skateboarding. Oh, for some reason, I thought of like the part in Shrek where they build that fake horse and they're like trying to get it to the castle. <laughs> <laughs> That's that would be way goes. cooler. That would be <laughs> okay, way cooler. Okay, so travel the country riding a skateboard. But I love it. Love it. It's great. <laughs> yeah, to go all the beautiful places in the country or, I mean, out of the country. We just got back from Mexico on a skate trip slash wedding slash just beautiful expedition. Mm-hmm. Like I said, it's been unreal. So yeah. I just try to live in those things. No, that's I live with incredible. a brain tumor, but I live in my life. Right. I think that's really great for people to hear too, because our community has a lot of, you know, current patients and I think your perspective is really inspiring. So a question. I noticed in the documentary you're wearing Optune. For those who have never experienced it, can you explain what the process is like? Like what does it feel like? I can. So for those that don't know what she's referencing, the Optune device is a backpack device. Well, the main component is you carry around a backpack or shoulder bag that holds a, it's about nine pounds. I'm trying to think of a good size comparison. A foot by eight inches, something like that. And out of it has a little adapter that has four cables. Those four cables lead to like a patch kind of deal. Those four patches attached to your head with a a sticky substance on the end. So like imagine four giant band-aids coming out of a backpack because that is really what it looks like almost. These big cloth kind of adapter pieces go on the front of your face or on the front of your head, the back and both sides. They're attached to said backpack. I would wear that. I did my Optune device a, a little differently than most. Most would wear it for 18 hours a day and then take it off for a couple hours and then put it back on. I wore mine 24 hours a day. I slept in it. I showered in it. I would just unplug it, put the shower cap on to keep all the components dry. And I would do that for three or four days, depending on how much it was sticking. I would do mine for for three or four days at a time and then take it off, reshave my head because you have to keep your head shaved just absolutely down so that these could actually reach your scalp. And what they do is send an electrical field, what they call a TT field, which stands for a tumor treating field, sends these through your brain 24 hours a day. Kind of works. One way it was described to me that really like helped was like Roundup does a weed. A regular tumor like the one in my knee, you could get out with like an ice cream scoop. One foul scoop and we're good. It's it's all kind of centralized in this little spot. A brain tumor works like a weed where it wants to spread around through every little path it can find. Roundup stops that weed from growing. You know, it it tries to lock it all into that one spot. And that's kind of what Optune and another procedure that I went through were, were both really designed to do was stop tumor growth or movement. So yeah, for two years and some change even, I wore the Optune device every day. I, I took a, like a week off at one point to go on our honeymoon. But past that, I got used to skateboarding in it, to motorcycle. I didn't let it stop me from anything, honestly. I refused. That was something I wasn't willing to compromise on. I, it's a voluntary device. You know, It wasn't something that my doctors forced me to do. They said, hey, this might help. This could lengthen your life. This Was could, there any you know, sensation that you had while wearing it? Did you feel anything aside from, you know, big band-aids on your head? But like when the machine was on, do you feel anything? A couple little call-outs on that. When it's on your head, it feels like wearing a swimmer's cap. If you've ever worn one of those really tight like bald cap things or if you've ever had to like wear a wig and you put the bald cap on underneath it. So mm-hmm. it's nice and tight on the head. And I got real creative with how I wore mine. 
I've made a different bag and everything so that I could skate and whatnot in it. I saw in your documentary that you broke at least seven of them. Sorry to the Optune people. Sorry, Novacure, <laughs> if you hear this. I know that you really like me and all, but I'm sorry if I broke a lot of your stuff. <laughs> yes. I've, what number are you on? Was seven the last one or did you continue to yeah. get more devices afterwards? As of rare enough, I, I mean, I got this full head of hair for those that can't see. I, yeah, he looks fantastic, everyone. <laughs> minus the huge mullet in the back, but I'm, I'm getting back to the... B- business in the front, party in the back. Exactly. It's party everywhere. <laughs> but as far as the device itself, like feeling it, there was two answers to that. So I got used to it to where when I was wearing it, I wasn't hot or anything like that. But the second that I took it off, there's like the most minimal amount of like residual heat that the device puts off on your scalp that when I would actually take it off, I would get a little chilly. I'd be like, oh, oh, like. I never noticed it when it was on. I never noticed that it was, you know, warmer or anything like that. I did notice with COVID when I started going into places that they would check your temperature when I was wearing the device. I couldn't do the one where they like you scan your forehead like that because oh, I would register higher. Yep. So they would have to do it on my wrist or an actual mouth one, but it read a higher temperature by a little bit right up here. Wow, interesting. And then Sometimes, you know, not too much or anything, but I, I know that I'm not the only one I've seen on some Optune groups on Facebook. It would zap the shit out of me. I'm not going to lie. It would maybe disconnect because I'd sweat in it. You know, I'd skate. And if it would like maybe slip a bit, I would get just very tiny, like a, a half a second, but of like a, I was like, oh, a lot of the time I would audibly be like, ah, and my wife Aaron would be like, what? Optune? Yeah. Okay. No worries. <laughs> But that was just, you know, few and far between. And I think a big part of that was because I was pushing it. I was wearing it as long as I could and trying to get my percentage of usage up as high as possible. Because they told me, the more you wear it, the better chances you got. So I was like, I'm going to live in that thing. No, that's amazing. I made it fun. I I just told people like I wore a funny hat. It had this netting that kind of looked like a lunch lady hat. So I posted a picture of me next to Chris Farley when he was dressed up like the lunch lady. And I tried to have fun with it. No, that's I was a, wearing masks really... for a minute way before it was cool too. Like at one point the doctor was like, Yeah, you might want to wear a mask if you go into public places and now oh everybody wears masks. Basically I'm a trendsetter. Right. You heard it here first. TJ Stewart invented the mask. That's no, right. that's I a... invented the mask. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I think it's it's really great. And I mean, you've always had well, at least from what we've seen, you know, through your Instagram and through public eye, you're a significantly, and even, you know, talking to you, extremely, you know, positive person. Do you feel like you've always had this mindset? And also just to follow up with that, how do you think your positive mindsets helped you live the life that you're living today? Hell yes. You'll notice for those that are watching and you, and like rare enough everything, I attach to like sayings, you know, rare enough itself. But I'll drop a couple of those now. One of my favorites is like, and it's a way that I live my life and it's, it's how I like keep a perspective on things is if you meet five assholes in a day, you're probably the asshole. Okay. So the way I apply that to my life is like, okay, if I've got four out of five things amazing and one sucks, I might be an asshole if that's the only one that I'm focused on. If I can't okay. take a step back and look at the fact that 90 plus percent of my life is something that people would kill for. Like my wife is just way out of my league. I've got this awesome house filled with ridiculous, cool stuff. Like I said, I own a professional wrestling company, costume, murder, gymnastics, all of that. I have a motorcycle, skateboard. I'm living every like eight-year-old, nine-year-old, 10-year-old kid's dream. And I happen to be living it with brain cancer, with the brain tumor, with whatever. Like, that's not the one that I should focus on. Right. I don't like the whole people like, oh, you live like that old country song. You live like you're dying. How about I live like I'm going to keep on living? How about I'm going to make plans for tomorrow? I'm not making plans to just be here today. I've got shit to do tomorrow. I'm trying to open a professional wrestling venue, not just for professional wrestling, but I'm trying to open a venue in Kansas City for all kinds of different shit. I want to 
go back to Mexico with my wife again in December. I've got shit to do. So I, I refuse to let this be the thing that stops me. And it leads me to another one of my little dorky sayings. And I got this one from my grandma. Fucking love you, grandma. <laughs> She's one of my heroes. But I lost my grandpa really young, but he was an avid smoker. He smoked nonstop and he passed of lung cancer. What I have is, you know, not situational. I have just pure freak accident. As you probably know, they, they even call GBM patients mutants, which as a dork, I love that. Like, sign me up for the superpowers. I'm waiting for them any day. I'm going to walk out of an MRI with laser. <laughs> but my grandma, when I got diagnosed, she told me something that I'm attached to. And she said, when your grandpa got diagnosed, that was the day he started dying. And I was like, well, if it worked that way for him, I'll make it work for me the opposite way. He lived in it. He was only focused on this is what's going to happen. And guess what? It happened. So if I only focus on the positives, that's what I'm going to bring. It's kind of like the, what is it, Murphy's Law? Anything can happen, will happen. Well, especially if right. you just focus on that. You know, I'm a skateboarder. If I'm about to go and jump down a set of stairs and make my board flip and spin all at the same time, and the last thing I think about right before it is don't fall or don't land on your face, I'm going to fall and land on my face. As someone who has fallen, land on my face a million times, don't do that. Don't live in the negatives. Find something to fight for. I'm sure it's fucking out there. And I'm lucky enough that I have so much shit to fight for. Right. So that's what's carried me on. And that's what's going to carry me on. I mean, I've already lived well past what they told me. And right. I'm planning on breaking records. Well, that's, that's so incredible. And I think it's so inspiring because GBM does have a lot of negative connotation around you know, just the disease in general. And I think it's so great to hear a perspective and obviously, you know, living proof of someone who's doing fantastic and who's really adapting this phenomenal and really positive mindset. I think for anyone listening who does have glioblastoma, it's so inspiring. And it, you know, proof is, I don't want to say like proof is in the pudding. So I don't think that makes sense, but proof is in like the, it does. And proof is in and the you DJ. you called me pudding like. <laughs> and I love pudding. Shit. <laughs> and the only thing I want to not even correct you on but one of the biggest gifts that all this shit has given me is it's not just if you have GBM. Right. It's if you're fighting some shit, like it's been incredible Absolutely for me to right. have people, you know, celebrities reach out. Like Tony Hawk and me are like boys now. And that's Who ridiculous. I would like to say for everyone listening is DJ's childhood celebrity idol. And now they're best yes. friends. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. BFF, me and, me and my boy Tony. But What's way cooler than that, and sorry, Tony, if you hear this, not anything <laughs> against you, but I swear to God, every single day, someone in some kind of battle reaches out to me. Really? And it's like the most beautiful thing in the world to like talk to a, a young kid or that's going through a type of cancer of their own or just someone that's going through a mental health battle. We live in this crazy COVID world right now where people haven't talked about shit for a long time and for some reason, people have found me as like somebody that they can talk to. And there's nothing out of all of this that's more gratifying than that. It's like a little message from somebody that says like, hey, man, I watched the video. Or hey, man, I looked through your Instagram and I just want you to know that I'm going through this and this helped. Or somebody just being like blown away that I'll respond. We'll be right back in just a moment. And now back to the conversation. You're so inspiring and you're such a light that anyone can see that, whether it's just following you on Instagram or watching your documentary. So like that, I mean, in my personal opinion, is why all of this is coming to you. It's because you are making a difference, not to yourself, but just to every single person. Oh, you're going to make me cry. Stop it. <laughs> you really no, are. I mean, you're... <laughs> so I can compose myself. <laughs> no, seriously, I think it's so incredible. And I'm so fortunate that we connected. And I think you're awesome. And I'm thrilled you're, you're here and that we're chatting and you're a legend, dude. You're I'll awesome. I'll do this every fucking week. Like I said. <laughs> we'll do it every week and I'll bring, I'll bring pudding next time. All right. <laughs> I just never could have imagined that it's weird to say, but like the worst thing in my life gave me so many of the best things in my life. And that's why I can't wait to tell you about the ridiculousness that was post-diagnosis. Right. And so just one follow-up question on my last question. 
is, yeah. so how do you deal with a bad day? Personally, I go get a piece of gluten-free chocolate cake and I sit in my car and the seat heater is on. But, you know, I'd love to hear how you deal that. with it. <laughs> I have a couple different ways. And it's funny, like, how ridiculously opposite they can be. Mm-hmm. You know, my standard, my go-tos, well, the number one go-to is, is Aaron, is my wife. Which is your wife, right? Yes. Sorry. My wife, Erin, is, I know everybody says it, but like, she's my best fucking friend without a doubt, not even remotely a question. And like, when I would have those aura things, she had a magic power that like, she could make them go away. She would like touch my back and it would just, I would be okay because they don't feel good. That's one part that I didn't really dive into is like, it's not just deja vu. I described it and this was like when my mom noticed, she was like, something's up with those. I was like, it's just like this weird feeling of dread. And she's like, okay, that's not a word people say every day, you know? And she connected with that and she was right. She knew that when I was telling her about these weird deja vu, I called them deja vu attacks. She knew that there was like, there's something to that. She was right. I thought it was like PTSD from, you know, having a cancer diagnosis just like a year prior or whatever. I was like, oh, that's got to be it, whatever. There's nothing. I'll be fine. So if I'm having a bad day or I'm anxious about, you know, a scan coming up or, whatever it may be, the go-to is definitely Aaron. And our number one thing is like being just lazy. <laughs> okay. We will, we will just, I'll pull the mattress from the bed into the living room and we'll do like a Harry Potter marathon or a Star Wars marathon or Marvel or whatever. We're huge, just movie and show dorks. So we'll grab the animals and we'll make like a fort in the living room, basically, and pile out That's for so days fun. straight. Where we sleep in the living room, we eat dinner on the coffee table that's attached to the co- or to the bed at this point. And then now, especially in this past year and a half, I don't know, my body is like woken up. I was on chemo for two years, seven days a week, and I was still doing stuff. I was still skating and you know active, and I thought that I was just as active and that chemo was having no effect on me. I'm a superhero, blah, blah, blah. They're doing white blood cell counts and I'm kicking its ass. And like the doctor's like, what is your diet or whatever? And I'm like, I don't know, chicken wings, tacos. <laughs> and then they gave me the go ahead. They're like, you know what? Let's take you off chemo. And I was like, all right, cool. You know, I'm not going to notice anything from it. And the doctor was like, sure you won't. But he knew, like he knew that. He's like, DJ is already a legend. He's about to become legendary. He's leveling up right now. And so around that time, I started skating way more. And my wife and my mother surprised me. And on my one year anniversary, which is just a few days before I had to have a second craniotomy, but my one year cancerversary, one of the things I was worried about was I didn't think I was going to get back on a motorcycle. I knew that I was going to skate because there was nothing in the world you could ever do to take me away from skateboarding. Like, if I lose my leg tomorrow, I'm going to figure it out. There's no taking me off the skateboard. But with the motorcycle thing, and you know, I just had a seizure and head, uh, I was worried. I was kind of like, uh, I don't know if I'm going to get back on a motorcycle. And I had already sold my previous one to buy the house and the ring for the wife. So I was like, that, that might just be a thing that's not here anymore. Part of me. And Erin didn't like that. She was like, um, excuse me? And sure enough, my... One year cancerversary comes around. She has like a hundred of my best friends at the house. She has my dad who lives in Colorado hidden behind the house on my motorcycle that her and my mother had been plotting for weeks and went and found me like the exact same motorcycle that I'd previously had and sold. And wow. I pull up to the house because my best friend had distracted me for a couple hours. Like, hey man, come over and let's hang out. Let's watch this skate video, blah, 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 blah. I get over there. Oh, what? He pulls up right behind me. Wait, hey, man, what? I just left your house. Why are you here? Oh, my God. Who are all these people? Wait, I know all these people. Oh, they've all filmed a video where they like tell me they love me in this whole compilation. And then I just hear a motorcycle just go. Rah, 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 rah. And there's my dad. You know, just pure insanity. So now I've got this ridiculous motorcycle because since Rare Enough has come out, some amazing people have seen it and I'm going to give a little shout out if you don't mind. No, go ahead, please, by all means. This kind of gets me a little emotional too. I never thought I would own something this crazy, but and I'm sorry if I'm jumping all over the place. No, you're But 
in rare enough, as you saw, like I ride my motorcycle. And it's the same one that I'm talking about. But it had an unpainted gas tank. So just like a bare metal. And a guy named Frank at a company that he owned, he owns a, a paint shop in LA called Vicious Cycles. And he is the best automotive painter I've ever seen in my entire life. Like, I don't even understand how he does what he does. And uh, Frank reached out to me on Instagram and asked if he could paint my tank. Not only that, he refused any kind of money when I offered to pay him. He said that would make him hate it if he took money for something like this. He made like a dream that I never thought could actually come true. Like I had kind of an idea roughly in my head of like, if I was stupid rich and could pay somebody an insane amount of money to be the best artist in the world, blah, 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 this is what I would do. Gave him a rough outline of that. He made the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. And now it's on my motorcycle. So Frank, holy shit, thank you so much. It's been about two weeks that I've had it and I can't stop. Oh, this is recent. That's amazing. Oh, yeah. Congratulations. That's awesome. Exactly. The weather's just starting to get nice in Kansas City again. So I'm out on the bike every weekend. And Aaron is obsessed with it as well. So no worries. (laughs) So that's been one of my big releases as well. Bad day, throw the skateboard and the wife on the back of the motorcycle and go do whatever. I don't know where Sunday, it wasn't even a bad day, but Sunday was just a day where we were riding and it's like, let's go here, let's go here, let's go there. Let's let's not have a plan. Let's just live life. Right. And so I guess that's my like answer is just do the shit that I would have wanted to do if it was something else making me sad. Right. That's a really great answer. And so again, like when you're, you know, day to day now, you're so many months post diagnosis and you're thriving. Are there any rituals that you have day to day? Like I know you possess so much gratitude. Are you a fan of gratitude journaling? Do you meditate? Like what kind of helps you ground yourself day to day? I have some stuff I do. I pray, but I don't know, like I do it a different way. And I, I'm religious in my own. Sense. No, that's I don't have like a whatever makes denomination you or good. whatever. Mm-hmm. But I do like sit in my car. I normally do it when when I'm driving, and I just like sound like a crazy person. But I'll just talk. I just say thank you like out loud a lot. Like hey, thank you so much for this, for that, for whatever it may be. And I just kind of bullshit. I imagine that I'm talking to whatever as I would my friends, and I mostly it's just a time of yeah. I guess I didn't even realize that it was like a gratitude thing because most of it is just me saying thank you didn't realize that and then past that i make like an absolute point to step on my skateboard every single day no matter what like whether it's ride it i have a an indoor one too that during the pandemic and during me kind of getting my sea legs back because i did have a bit of there's a disconnect from what it used to be i'm still all right on the board but sometimes i feel like I'm borrowing somebody else's feet. Like I know how to do this stuff, but sometimes I'm like, oh, my feet are a little different. How'd that happen? But I made a point like, all right, get on my skateboard every single day. I'm going to build one that I can use in the carpet or on the hardwood. And then I'm going to go outside and do this one, build a ramp, build this, build that. Like just stay busy, keep kicking ass. That's amazing. That's really awesome. And it's, it's cool that you pointed out that you don't realize you do it, but I, I kind of, that shows to your character that you are such a person filled with immense gratitude that you don't even realize it and you know all this positivity is coming to you but you're just being you but it's something that like you know I would consider like taking the time to be grateful but it's something that I definitely feel like after our conversation I need to you know focus on more because I kind of want to be like you where it's just part of my life I don't even have to think about it so I honestly I'm super inspired so that's that's really nice to hear well do that and then tell people you love them a lot that's another thing like I tell every one of my friends, like I'm talking to my parents or something, you know, you all right, I love you, bye. You're like, I say that to my friends. My buddy, I just missed a call from my best friend. And I guarantee when I call him back, like, all right, love you, dude. Talk to you soon. That just goes a long way. Oh, so I guess that's a little routine of mine as well. Cool. <laughs> so I guess I have routines and like didn't really realize it. Yeah. I'm glad I brought them out. <laughs> Hell yeah. Thanks. I'll build some more. <laughs> and so... If you had to sum up your entire cancer journey in three words, what would they be and why? Ooh, three is hard. Let me see. You can extend it if you want. <laughs> three is like the baseline. Hmm. 
I'm just trying to figure out a way to articulate it kind of differently, but it's, I said it in one of my early like updates on Instagram for those that are listening. All this really started with me just filming my first ever like selfie video where I was like, Hey guys, I don't really know what I'm doing here, but, uh, I've got a brain tumor. Right. Love you. <laughs> I remember seeing that. And one of those like early ones where I was, it was probably one of the first milestones where I was like, oh, should I be feeling like shit? And I don't, you know, like they told me I had 11, 18 at the very most. Like they gave me 18 months to live 36 months ago or something like that. So probably like a few months in, I was like, I should probably start to feel like shit right now. And I'm kind of not. And so in one of those videos, I, I said, don't let your circumstances define your life. Okay. That's way more than three words. No, that's a fantastic statement. I'm trying to figure that out because that is it. I waited a while to hear my like prognosis. But even when I did, I all that became then was like, oh, I can't wait to beat the shit out of that. It wasn't something like, I'd be lying if I said like, oh, hey, it was no problem when I heard that, you know, you're supposed to be dead in a few months or blah, blah, blah. That's a bummer. But no, now it's just something to beat. It's a right. different milestone or a different skate trick or learning how to do something on the bike that I didn't know, you know, whatever it may be. It was just something that I couldn't wait to say I beat. Mm -hmm. Don't let your circumstance define your life. I like that a lot. Yeah, I guess that's probably my little short summary of it all. Because they kept telling me, this is probably not great, or this is probably not great. And yet I'm living the dream. Driving, yeah. to say the least. <laughs> I still work a full-time job, like a day job at T-Mobile. I came straight from training new hires at T-Mobile how to sell phones and service to this. I'll go from this to my pro wrestling venue that I'm working on trying to build. After that, I'll meet the wife. Like I live a an amazing regular life. And I'm lucky enough that, fingers crossed, I'm all about like, you never get something you don't ask for, call your shot kind of deal. Mm -hmm. Soon, I'm going to make a living doing this sort of thing. Right. Doing advocacy work for brain cancer awareness, for mental health awareness, for... I want to just fucking help people. Like I've gotten the biggest reward of all of this, like I said earlier, was so many and I, I'm hundreds, if not like a thousand people have reached out to me and there's nothing cooler than that. There's nothing cooler than being able to like actually help somebody that's going through some shit. I did have that. I had, you know, this incredible support system and I know not everybody out there does. So if I can be any part of your support system. If you're listening to this and you're going through GBM, you stubbed your toe really bad or well, I don't give a shit. Like your battle is your battle. And if there's anything that I can do to help it selfishly, it helps me and mine. I was talking to a kid just a couple of days ago who sent some rough messages and Donovan, if you hear this and I'm going to make sure you do, cause I'm going to send it to you. Cause I know you're going to be kicking ass. He sent me some rough messages, but I told him, I was like, he thanked me to, for reaching back out. And I told him, I was like, hey, man, no fucking thank you because I promise you think that I'm helping you, but you reaching out to me has helped me so much. Like it gives me so much more to keep going to where I have to be here to help these other people. If I'm rare enough, that doesn't mean that it's a one person thing. If I'm rare enough, then fucking so is Donovan and so is everyone else I've talked to, Josiah, Mihawk, you're going to kick at, like I could go on this long list of people that have reached out. And so for those that are listening, that are super inspired by you, that, you know, maybe haven't personally reached out, what's something that you would say to someone that was recently diagnosed with GBM or that is currently dealing with either treatment or any part of the process? Just don't don't give up. Just try to find some little piece of light that you can hold on to. And please let me help if I can. I'm here. I'm an open book to anyone. Reach out, Facebook, social media, whatever, Instagram, I don't care, DJ Stewart, literally anybody needs it. I am fucking here. You've got this. If you say you don't, you don't. But if you fucking say you do, you do. And I know that that's like a bullshit you know, motivational poster thing, but it's true because I'm like actual living proof of that. So the proof is in the pudding and I'm the pudding. <laughs> <laughs> that's so amazing. I, I really think that's fantastic. 
And in your documentary, you mentioned you have everything you'd ever want and that you're so grateful for everything. You're living your dream life. Is there one thing or goal in particular that you want to achieve or do next? You know, that's like on your your bucket list, your life goal list. Like, and obviously you're meeting your, you're doing a podcast with Tony Hawk next month. And you're, I know that we talked about it before we started recording. That's, you know, a biggest dream of yours. Like what else is something that you're just, you know, so excited for? Like I said, well, I just, planned on calling my shot for that's what I'm excited for is I'm excited to build a life where I can dedicate myself to just this I love what I do for a living you know my standard day job but it's mostly to pay the ridiculous medical bills and whatnot and one of these days with the incredible like organizations and people that I've gotten to meet and work with I want to bring awareness to this brain tumors are like the least talked about type of cancer out there. It's insane. And then you get one and it's all you ever hear. I'd never heard of anyone that had any type of brain tumor or whatever before I had one. And yesterday I passed the bracelet, I don't have it on now, to a a guy I noticed was wearing a gray cancer shirt. And I was like, hey man, what's that for? And he lost his dad to GBM. Wow. Oddly enough, the anniversary of which yesterday when I met him. I'd never seen the guy really? my entire life. He's a security guard at the T-Mobile campus. And I happened to like walk into an office that I don't normally go to because I was helping somebody get an ID badge. And that's just some weird like serendipitous shit that doesn't happen unless you're like meant to do something. Like, right. I believe that I'm meant to do something with this. Otherwise, I wouldn't still be here. You know, I'm very charismatic and handsome, obviously, but I'm not making a living doing <laughs> that. <laughs> But maybe I can, you know, spend the the rest of my long ass life helping people go through their battles. Definitely. And if I can do any part, if I can get even remotely close to that, then mission accomplished. Like all I could ever hope for. But I've got all I could ever hope for from the previous, you know, few years back. So watch a couple years from now, we'll be doing some beautiful shit and we'll be kicking brain cancer's ass one day at a time. It's so inspiring. And I'm, Again, seriously, so thankful and excited that everyone gets to listen to this. Before we wrap up, is there anything that we didn't touch on that you want to share to everyone listening? Whether it's a part of the documentary, just, you know, an anecdote from your personal life. Is there anything else that is important that you want to mention? I know that's like probably the most vague possible question. I would just like to mention like how one of the things that has kept me great, like, kept me positive and everything is I dealt with the worst thing in my life, right? At the also the best time of my life. So like I said, March, I proposed to my wife. April, we bought a house together. May, yeah, you know, bummer. In June, I won our wedding. In the hospital, I found okay. out that a local radio station was giving away a dream wedding. And what you had to do was create a video and why, you know, you deserved it. And most people's was like, because I'm pretty. Uh, I kind of had a trump card. I'm not going to lie. I'm like, hey, I'm uh, this. I mean, 35 staples in my head kind of deal. And you know, I submitted the video and woke up the next morning to a phone call. And they're like, hey, we're going to call you back in just a minute. You won. You're going to be on the radio. And woke my wife up. Babe, babe, get up, get up, get up, get up. We won, we won, we won the wedding. We won the wedding. They call. <laughs> and uh, they're like, you won your dream wedding, blah, blah, blah. By the way. You have nine days to plan it. So we got married in nine days. Wait, this is the coolest thing ever. That is like yeah. the funnest wedding planning story. It was nutty. But through together, like all we had to basically do was get her address, Mia Tux, my groomsmen and her bridesmaids. Like everything was pretty much planned. But it was like, hey, it's a bunch of beautiful stuff and it's free. You just got to do it in nine days. And we're like, let's do it. Wow. So we do that. It's amazing. We have an incredible like after party at the house. Goes nutty. Then like a week after that, somebody had submitted our story and we won our honeymoon. What? No. Yep. It's a That's foundation insane. out of St. Louis called Stella's Wish reached out and granted a wish, which was our honeymoon. We had a, just a few months. And we had a plan. It we went to Hawaii. It said it had to be in the U.S. and blah blah blah. But we went to Hawaii on an absolutely 
amazing honeymoon. I mean, that all happened in four months. Come on. Like I said, the five asshole rule, like yeah, the bad thing. But think about all that other craziness. Like right. I proposed to Aaron on the 50-yard line of Arrowhead Stadium where the Chiefs play. And we are diehard season ticket holder Chiefs fans. I proposed to her on the 50 with our entire families, both sides of both families, in the owner's box of the stadium so that went and I hid a jersey that had my last name on it, hid a jersey on the 50, was like, oh, what's that? Had her bend down, pick it up and flip it over and see my last name. And when she looked back, I was on my knee and the window to the owner's box opens up and our family is in there just screaming down to the 50. And then we go and tour the rest of Arrowhead as a family. And then I go and have our after party at Escapist, the local skate shop that all of my friends and I just live at. And it's like, yeah, okay, all that happened during a bad time. But think about how amazing that is. Right. I can't live in that one bad when everything else is so awesome. I mean, I'm sitting here with this crazy cute puppy and I can't get her on camera. And I was going to try to get the dog on camera there, but it doesn't matter. I forgot we're not <laughs> recording this one video wise, but I've got it made. That is the, the coolest so just story. Live in the positives. Find the positives of your life. I promise they're there. If they're not, then talk to me and I'll try to make stupid jokes until you laugh and smile and <laughs> Yeah. Well, I don't know how to wrap it up. Again, I know. Yeah. It's a, you know, we got to transition somehow. But honestly, thank you. Thank you so much, DJ, for joining. It's been such a pleasure and an honor to talk to you. You are like the coolest, funnest. Like, we're kicking off, you know, first season of this podcast episode. And I'm, I'm so grateful for everyone to be able to hear what you have to say. I think it's so inspiring. And you're super cool. Background is super cool. No one can see it, but like, you know, our dogs are on is recording with us and honestly just seriously like you've been kicking ass and I think so many people will be so inspired and so positive and really implement this kind of mentality into their day-to-day I mean I definitely know I will especially for those with GBM I think it's a really you know it's something that can definitely be life-changing so really thank you for being you and for doing all this awesome stuff and I'm Excited to see all the amazing things that you continue to do. Thank you so, so much. Like I said, I'm always here. If you ever want to do anything, I love to do anything that raises awareness and and builds support. So it's been straight up an honor. Thank you so much for reaching out to me and letting me be a dork for an hour over here and (laughs) tell my story. 